0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: This is Tom Flores, and you're listening to us on iTest for Two.
0: Well, this Friday, uh, April 22nd, is a day we should not forget. Now, first of course, because it's today, an annual to begin in April 1970 to vote support for environmental protection. And I know that's a big deal where Ian and Ira live. That would be the Tampa Bay community because of how their Tampa Bay Bucks protect Rams. Uh, Ira, aren't they 0-3 against the Rams since Tom Brady took over? Um,
1: you know, that was before Russell Gage came aboard. He, he's going to be in the different. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So apparently you're not in support of Earth Day, but anyway, you <laughs> have been for Tampa. Thanks for doing your part. But on a more somber note, guys, and, and I mean more somber, it's an important day for the NFL and Americans everywhere because April 22nd marks the 18th anniversary. Boy, it just doesn't seem that long, but 18th anniversary of the death of the former Cards defensive back, Pat Tillman. Then serving with the U.S. Army Rangers in Afghanistan, he was killed by friendly fire in August, I'm sorry, in in, uh, 2004, in April 22nd, 2004. And I remember that, Ira, because it was two days before that year's draft in New York City. Draft was on April 24th, and I was in Madison Square Garden on that day, the 24th, when Commissioner, then Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who's a friend of the show, was flanked by five Marines and stood in front of the Madison Square Garden crowd wearing a black Cardinals ribbon with Pat's name on it, as well as a Cardinals helmet pin with his number 40 attached. And he said, quote, Pat Tillman personified the best values in America and the National Football League. And what I remember about that was afterwards, there was a moment of silence and then there were chants of USA, USA, USA by the crowd. And as I said, that was 18 years ago. And since then, of course, we learned how Pat was killed and how the family as well as this country was misled about his passing. But nevertheless, that hasn't changed how we view Pat or his legacy. He did, as boo said, personify the best values of this country. And few are uh, understand that better than today's guest. And I know that because he's a friend of yours. He's a friend of mine as well. That's Pat's former head coach. Dave McGinnis, now a radio analyst for the Tennessee Titans broadcast. And Mac, always good to hear from you, and especially as we approach Friday, April 22nd.
2: Yeah, Clark, it's great being on with you and Ira. And absolutely, I mean, that, that, uh, this time of year always brings up uh, that memory to me. And, and, of course, you know, I, I would, this is my 36th year straight in the National Football League. I coached for 31 years. And, guys, I was involved with a lot of really, really good human beings in those years, you know, eight Hall of Famers. But I-, I can say this, and I go across the country and still speak quite a bit about Pat and, you know, to various to various functions and various groups. And the one thing I can say, you know, with, without a doubt, is he had the biggest impact on my life of any player I've ever been associated with because what he stood for and what he was was so unique. And he was he was such an interesting interesting human being, but at, at the core of it, uh, he, he was a guy that was just embodied honesty and integrity and dignity. And as you know, as I say, I I was involved with him from the start. You know, when Larry Marmey and I and Bob Ferguson went to Arizona State uh, uh, Senior Day to work him out, and uh, you know, we were trying to we wanted to figure out. Uh, I knew I wanted him on my football team. I was the defensive coordinator at the time, and I knew I wanted him. Had watched, you know, had watched he and Jake Plummer and that whole group go to the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, and I mean they were special, special people. But just what Pat Tillman was able to do and what he personified, I, you know, I wanted him. And so we went to work him out to see, you know, he could see played kind of an overhang linebacker there, you know, at Arizona State. And, you know, was it was the Pac-10 at the time, you know. Defensive Player of the Year, and but when you were around him, I mean, there was something so special just about the vibe that he gave off, and it was it was it was honest, it was pure, but also you knew that if Pat Tillman was by your side, that you had somebody you could count on forever, and and to me that that's that's the biggest thing that that he embodied, that that his foundation embodies now, you know, with his uh, with his with his widow Marie. His, his mother, Danny, his, his brothers, his father. To me, guys, you, we have all met special people in our lives in the National Football League. This person, Pat Tillman, had the biggest influence of, of, on my life of anybody I've ever, ever met in this league.
0: Mac, just to follow that, how has it changed your life? You talked about what a great impact he had on your life. How has it changed your life in the 18 years since then?
2: Well, it's just perspective, you know, perspective on what's important and what's not, and what what really counts. And and as I said, he embodied honesty and integrity and dignity. And and yeah, I can still remember Clark, you know, when he, you know, he turned down a huge multi-million dollar deal, his restricted free agent year. We drafted him in the seventh round. You know, we got to the seventh round, and I finally stood up and said, Look, if it matters. Who the defensive coordinator uh, wants on this team. I want Pat Tillman, and uh, I had the backing, you know, of, of Vince Tobin, who was the head coach at the time. Larry marmee was the secondary coach. Bob Ferguson was the general manager. You know, he lasted all the way to the seventh round because people didn't know, you know, what to do with him. You know, because it was the whole height, weight thing. Is he big enough? Is he this? Is that? I mean, so anyway, when we drafted him, you know, about three days after we drafted him. Uh, my secretary, you know, came to my door and said, Coach Mack, uh, Pat Tillman is out here in the lobby and would like to speak with you. Do you have time for him? And I said, absolutely. Well, here he came in, you know, he had his flip-flops on and his, in his, in his shorts and his hair was, you know, really long. And, I mean, he, you know, he was, a, he was a typical California dude. And he came in and pulled his chair right up next to mine and looked, at, looked me right in the eye and said, Coach, I know why, I know why you drafted me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a local kid. You think you'll bring some more people in the the stands and you think I can come in here and play some special teams for you? He looked me right in the eye and he said, if you'll just spend some damn time with me, I'll be your starting safety. And I went, that's exactly what I intend to do. And he was.
1: Dave, um, you talked about uh, going to check him out in in college before the draft. Right. Dave, what, what struck you right then and there? Um, in your conversations with Tillman, and uh, as you walked away, uh, did you say to anybody, uh, "This this guy, this guy's different. This guy's unique." Yeah, Ira, that's
2: great. It, it, it's a great question, and it's a story that I tell quite a bit. You know, in all my presentations around the country, you know, all these years later, because we went in there to work him out, and of course, you know, we went through, we went, they went through all the, the height, weight, jump, do all that stuff, and then Bob Ferguson and myself and Larry Marmee. You know, we took him over to the practice fields there at Arizona State because after all of that, all of that was done with all the scouts and everybody was there, we wanted to put him through some defensive secondary drills just to see what he could do in space because we had, in our minds, we were going to move him to safety. And as I said, he had played an overhang linebacker, you know, that was kind of walk-away linebacker, you know, there at Arizona State, but he had not played deep. And so we brought him in there, and, of course, he comes out there, and he's got his cleats on, and he's got his – his shorts on and no shirt and so we uh Larry Marmee we start explaining the drills to him and then you know here we go we start you know making him run 45 and flip his hips and go back and forth 90 degree turns and deep and he was raw at it because he had not done it and we just wanted to do it you know 10 or 15 minutes just to kind of get an idea and look at him and see and I can still see him you know going out there in that you know that that on the, that practice field, diving for balls and, and turning and flipping and cussing himself when he didn't do it right. So finally, I said, "Okay, that's enough. I've seen enough." He said, "Coach, that's not enough." He said, "That's terrible. You know it, and I know it. I want to do it some more." And I went, "Pat, hey, look, this is all we wanted. We want no." He said, "That was terrible. I want to do it again." And so, you know, 35 minutes later, we finally said, "That's enough." And so, you know, when we got we got in our car to go back to the Cardinals facility, you know, Larry Marmee looked at me and went, that's what we want. And I said, absolutely, that's what we want.
0: And, the, you know, he was
2: just – his his self-awareness and his honesty. But, look, his, he was relentless. He was relentless. And, guys, he was brilliant. I mean, the guy was brilliant. We, you know, the first meetings we had, when we had the rookies in there, I mean, it was amazing. You know, I'm up there. I'm the defensive coordinator at the time, and I'm going through – just the basics, you know, we had a big, big, thick, you know, playbook. We're going through it. And all of a sudden he raises his hand and he says, Coach, you know, you're talking about this formation here. He said, back here on page 12. And I went, Pat, we're on page two. Oh, I've seen all that already, Coach. And he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And then, as I said, you know, he, he, he never, ever, ever accepted any. I mean, I had to pull him out of practice early on. And I said, Pat, you cannot – be lighting people up in practice coach he said it's the only way i know how to play it's the only way you can. can't do it you, you cannot do it okay so we're gonna i mean guys i'm just telling you i've I got so many stories of pat tell me, when i finally write my book he'll be about three chapters in it because this guy was was so different than anybody i've ever been around and just what a great great joy to be around you know, we always set cans up those plastic garbage cans to 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 have you know walkthroughs before practice. And he and I'd go out there early, with it on, on the cans. We wouldn't even talk football. He would he would read some of the deepest stuff, and he would ask me, Coach Mac, have you read this? What do you think about? It? I mean, guy, a Renaissance guy,
1: Dave. Um, when he was a rookie and, and he started as a seventh round pick, um, and you guys made the playoffs, Dave in '98. He was an instant fan favorite. Dave, was that because he, was, um, he, he had that local angle or was it something about the way he played?
2: Both, both, Ira. And, I mean, you hit it on Look, and when we, when we started him, there was a point during the season, about five games in, as to where he had hit a wall as far as the, he was trying to do too much. So I, I brought him in my office and I said, hey, look, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you off a of first and second down defense and, and I'm going to keep you on nickel. But we've got to refine some of the things you're doing. You're trying to do too much at once and you're doing nothing. And so I said, I'm going to take you off that starting unit and I'm going to put you at nickel. He looked me straight in the eye. And he said, uh, I don't like it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's fine because it's not. But if you'll just give me a damn chance and tell me what else I need to do, I'll be back in your starting lineup. And he was. And guys, when he was on the field, when he stepped across those lines, I mean, it was everything. You talk about you talk about a, a spark engine for your football team, and it was all legit. And of course, yes, he, he was a local favorite there, but quickly he caught on, you know, in the National Football League because opponents knew who he was. And and when and then we started using him in a lot of different ways. You know, at the time, you know, we were still running a version of the forty six defense in a package and Vince Tobin, you know, you know, we, we had a package for him. I'll never forget when we are playing the Saints with Pat, you know, being in the, that 46 package. We were going to save it till the second half. And he keeps standing there by me. He said, Coach, now, now, now. I said, Pat, I told you we're doing this in the third quarter. So they don't know how to block it. We're going to do this. I mean, it, it was relentless. And finally I said, yeah, just get in. Go ahead and go on in there. He goes in there and sacks the quarterback and makes about 12 tackles and Guys, this guy was special. I'm just telling you.
0: We're speaking to former Arizona head coach Dave McGinnis on the I test for two. And we're speaking to him about Pat Tillman on the eve of the 18th anniversary of Pat's passing this Friday. And, Mac, um, I know how passionately you felt and feel about Pat Tillman. And, and I know how that's been over the years. But how difficult is this anniversary for you and, and how do you market? I mean, is it, is this a tougher time than, than others during the year? Well, I mean, it just, it, it comes up every year at this time. I and mean, then, you know, I was in the, I was in the draft room. We were getting
2: ready for the draft when, when Robbie Bourne, who is still the PR director here, the the Titans came in yeah. and called Jeff Fisher out of the room and said, and then fish called me and said, Mike, we need to see you out here. And I thought, you know, what the hell is going on? And so I walked out and they told me, you know, Pat's been killed in Afghanistan. And then the world started spinning pretty fast. I did every national news show there was, you know, for the next, you know, five or six days. It was a whirlwind. You know, I spoke at both of the memorials that we had, one in San, one in San Jose, one in Phoenix. I mean, guys, it was a, it was a complete whirlwind. And it, it really never, never settled down. And it, it, that, those times are just burned into my mind. And they, you know, it'll never leave me. And, you know, how about this? I just, I get a photograph from John Fossil, Bones Fossil, who's the special teams coordinator now at Dallas. And, of course, you know, he was with us all those years at the Rams. He's got got three daughters, and his oldest daughter, he sent me a picture this morning, his oldest daughter's named Lila. And they're down there in Dallas. He said, Coach Mack, it's Jersey Day here at Lila's school, and she's wearing Pat Tillman's jersey to school. That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, it's just it's just real, guys. It's really real. As I said, I've been involved with a lot of people in the National Football League, and I've I've had a really blessed life in this league. That guy, though, huge, huge mark on my life.
0: Uh, two part question, Mac. Um, yeah. What's the quality you, you, you most admired in Pat? What's the quality you most admired and and I've heard you talk about it before, but if you could uh, relate to us what you remember most about the last time you saw him, and I think that I think it was up in Seattle before a game. I don't know, but
2: um, yeah, what
0: anyway, you most admire in in Pat, and and you remember about the last time you saw him? Just
2: pure honesty, pure honesty. There was not a there was not a, a phony bone in his body, and it was just it was just pure honesty. And yeah, it was up in Seattle. You know he. He had just come back from his first deployment over in Iraq, and, and he and his uh, brother Kevin and his uh, wife Marie, they were, living, they were at Fort Lewis up there in Seattle. And I get a call. We're getting ready to go play the, the Seahawks up there. I just get a call out of the blue. It's, hey, Coach Mac Pat. He said, I'm back from deployment. I'm in Fort Lewis. He said, I'd like to buy some tickets. You know, we've got some friends coming up. I'd like to buy five tickets from me if I could for the game. I said, what are you talking about? He said, no, coach, I'm here. I just want to come to the game. So t- if you can, if you can get me some tickets, I'd like to buy them. I said, Pat, what the hell? No. I said, so I said, let me call you back. So I went and talked to Bill Bidwell senior and I told him who he said, no way. So his, he's buying any tickets. So anyway, we, we got him set up at the team hotel, you know, with his friends. Uh, said he was sitting up in the suite, you know, with, with Mr. Bidwell
0: and he wanted, he wanted
2: none of that. He really – he just had, he said, Coach Mack, I said, look, Pat, I'd love to have you speak to the team. And he said, Coach, it's not about me. It's about this team right now. I don't want to do that. Anyway, you know, finally did get him to come. Uh, he, he was up in my room for a long time. He and all his friends, you know, I had a suite up there. And the night before the game, and he was, he was up there for quite a while. And he said, Coach, what time do you get up in the morning? I said, well, early. And he said, well, there's a Starbucks right across the street. Let's go meet over here at the Starbucks. And I said, great. So he and I and Larry Marmee went over there. You know, we were talking. I asked him, what do you want to do? He said, coach, I I, I signed up. I'm going to do my complete tour duty. And I want to come back and play for you. I said, well, I I, I will say this, Pat. Regardless of what goes on here, wherever I am, you will have a place. And then, you know, we played the ball game. And and, uh, Paul Jensen, who was the PR director for the Cardinals at the time, closed the locker room after the game. Just so Pat could come in there. His brother, his brother Kevin, didn't want to come in. He said, No, this is Pat's time. So he came in and said goodbye to everybody. And then, uh, you know, before we let the media in, and then he came over and hugged me and said, Coach Mac, you know, I appreciate this. He said, I'm going to hold you to what you said. And I said, I gave you my word, Pat. And then he hugged me and said, I love you, Coach Mac. I said, I love you, Pat. And that's the last time I saw him.
1: Dave, last question for me. Thanks for your time on this. uh difficult occasion um dave the pro football hall of fame in canton it, it does have some items referring to pat tillman and sure. fans can uh, see and make sure that he's never forgotten um in in, uh, in the mind of dave mcginnis um is that enough dave uh does does pat tillman belong in the pro football hall of fame
2: well, I mean, you know, here, here's the thing, and I, I can't speak. Let me just say this: Knowing Pat, he would not want to be given anything. He would not want to be given anything. Clearly, does all of that belong in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. As a as a player, you know, I mean, that's a that's a huge honor, and that's that honors you know quite a career. I mean, you, But as a as a human being, and as a representative of what the National Football League is, and really. As a great American, he he should be in every Hall of Fame there is just because of who he was, what he did, and what he stands for.
0: Mac, I've mentioned it's been 18 years, and it has. Um, Ask you the obvious question, what's Pat Tillman's legacy today? Because sometimes I worry that we've forgotten what he stood for and what he did, and we shouldn't. And I just wonder what you believe his legacy is today, 18 years later.
2: His legacy is still alive with the Fat Tillman Foundation there at Arizona State. It has done such a tremendous job of helping, you know, children of the uh, of, of veterans of, of of the the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War. I mean, it is it's a marvelous, marvelous foundation. That's his that's his legacy. His legacy is, is clearly is always going to live on in that, and it's going to live on in us that really knew him, because as I said, I was you know I, I was at, spoke at both you know memorial services and you know and some people spoke you know that that knew Pat a little bit but those of us that really knew him his legacy will never die but that that foundation is going to be the lasting legacy and as i said Pat Tillman you don't have to have to dig very deep with anybody that really knew him and get the same sense that you're hearing from me everything that you will ever hear talking to somebody that's close to Pat Tillman it will come from the heart because that's how he related to everybody
0: well, I'm glad you mentioned the foundation because I was going to plug uh, Pat's run, which is that you have the annual Pat's run in Tempe and um, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but it's an annual 4.2 mile race and or, or run in, in Tempe. And it's 4.2 because we're number 42 at the at Arizona State. And they do it every year, but they haven't done the past two years because of the pandemic. So they've had virtual races sure. racing the past two years, but, but it raises money for the Pat Tillman foundation and it, I, I mac i think i'm right in saying this it's always a sellout isn't it like thousands of people I think it was like 20 twenty eight thousand people we, done and 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 you were i know you were very active and are you still active because the the race is this saturday and i think it takes off at 705 in terms of the runners and and the walkers but uh it's a it's a great thing it's a great thing
2: no absolutely i mean you know and and, and you know they there's there's various you know starters every year you know jake plumbers done it you know done it uh, several times it's always during the draft so you know i've always been involved with the draft but uh, let me just say this that you know when it was first started i was on the i was on the initial board of the foundation and we, when we had the idea to do this you know nobody we had no idea how it would be received and the first time i think there were five thousand runners now guys they the, the foundation has to cap it because if they don't then in the streets of tempe because it's run, you know, around Tempe Town Lake, and and it ends on the 42-yard line there at Sun Devil Stadium. If, if they don't cap it, they can't handle all the people. And and it, and as you said, there are satellite runs all across the world. You know, that there's still satellite. I mean, you, I can't tell you, you know, because I still try to do as much as I can with the military. How many military people now come up to me knowing and just saying, Coach, I just want you to know that, you Know, I, I it, it's a great honor to meet somebody that knew Pat Tillman.
0: Mac, last question: if Pat were alive today, what do you think he'd be doing?
2: Well, whatever, whatever it is, he would be doing it really good. You know, I mean, I did, it really, really, whatever he chose to do, guys. I mean, as I said, he was a true Renaissance man. I mean, he had everything, he embodied everything that you want, and as I said, he was. He was brilliant, and he really related to everybody. I can remember there when we had our training camp at Flagstaff. He and I would ride in my golf cart from the top practice field. We had three fields; one was on the top of the hill, and all it, we had a lot of fans that were there because it, you know it's a it's a vacation destination too, and it's a nice place. So we headed up there, and we had a lot of fans. And he would he would oh you know we would go, and it, it would take us 35, 40 minutes to get back to the dressing room because. We would stop everywhere. He, he appealed to everybody. He appealed to the bikers that were up there. He appealed to the grandmothers. He appealed to the little kids. He, you know, he, he uh, appealed to just every because he was so real and so true. So if you ask me what he would be doing, anything that he wanted, and whatever he was doing, it would benefit a lot of people.
0: Dave McGinnis, thanks so much for the time, and and thanks so much for helping us to never, never forget the legacy of Pat Tillman. Always appreciate it, Mac. No,
2: I that's great. You guys, thank you guys. You guys have always been good friends. I
0: appreciate your professionalism. I appreciate your friendship. See you guys. Thanks, Dave. you got Mac. Thanks, Mac. That was former cars coach Dave McGinnis, and. And I think that's a good question you asked him about the pro football hall of fame. I, I don't know that he should be in there because there've been many, oh, not many, but there are more than uh, Pat Tillman killed in um, wars and, in uh, conflicts. But I, I think there should be a place in the pro football hall of fame. Don't you for um, NFL players who either wounded or served or were killed in, in wars or conflict? Uh, I do. Um, you know,
1: should he have a bust? Probably not because um, you know, it's confined to the playing field. It, it is Clark, but he has to be remembered um, and honored in, in a place in, in, in a place called the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Has to
0: be, absolutely has to be. Well, Ira, that's our "I Was There" segment, and it's you are up this week. So you were somewhere. When were you there? And where were you, Ira? Well, this is an
1: honor of Pat Tillman, uh, Clark, uh, that theme, because um, he was spurred. The call to action came for Pat Tillman on, on 9-11. Mm-hmm. On 9-11, everything changed for Pat Tillman. Uh, maybe he was leaning in that direction. But um, that day that lives in infamy um, spurred him to uh, end his pro football career uh, and, and, and enlist uh, Clark along those lines. Uh, October 7th, 2001, the first game uh, in Tampa since 9-11. The Bucks right. had played on the road in Minnesota and lost. Right. Here comes Green Bay, Clark. They had a seven-game winning streak. They were in prime, the defense in its prime. And on that day, in front of 65,000 people, that we're still thinking about what had happened um, a month previous. The Bucks win 14-10, to 10, Clark. Shelton quarrels, returns one of three picks by Brett Favre, 98 yards. 98 yards for a touchdown. And the Bucks win Clark on a 95-yard drive midway through the fourth quarter, uh, capped by... Mike Allstott's 39-yard run. Uh, the Bucks win 14-10. to um, And a very emotional
0: Sunday um, in Tampa. I remember that day very well, Ira, because I was in Kansas City covering the Chiefs-Giants game. And it was a big deal because the Giants were representing New York. And, and I lived in New York at that time when the planes flew into the World Trade Center. Um, and a uh, very emotional day there. And I remember people at that point saying everybody today are giants fans they're all giants fans they're all new york fans and it really did feel that way in the giants won that game. very emotional day for the nfl and for new york people in particular our final thoughts final thoughts is uh, i'm on my way clark i'm all packed up and i'm
1: heading to one buck place to hear what jason light has to say about the 2022 draft clark and i'll make one prediction and you will nod your head in agreement at least one team if not more mr judge will reach for a quarterback
0: in this draft yeah, absolutely and it, be, and it will be a mistake and yeah it will that, be- that, that, that's correct i thought you were going to make a prediction saying if tom brady's sitting on the edge of the uh, aisle i'm not going to get him when he runs out of the exit that, that, <laughs> that was going to be a prediction hey uh, my final thought on this is just going back to the pat tillman thing you know um I looked it up. He was the first pro football player who was killed in combat since Bob Kalsu, who was uh, killed in Vietnam in 1970. And Kalsu was the Bills Rookie of the Year, I think in 1968, but he was killed in, in 1970, Buffalo Billard. And so those guys, I just think, going back to what I said to you earlier, I really wish there was a segment in that honored those guys who were either wounded, participated, or died in combat. I just... Wish there were uh, including pat tillman very sad to, uh, to, to to recount some of those stories with with mac but I, i've heard them before and it, it touches me today as strongly as it did the first time i've heard them I it's very sad um that's going to do it for today we'd like to thank dave mcginnis for joining us mr ian glendon for producing us and you for listening to us if you'd like to hear this or any i test for two podcasts just go to full, co- full press coverage. Sorry, something to be interesting and easy, but go to fullpresscoverage.com, click on the podcast icon, and hit the I test for two. And if you don't want to do that, you know what? We'll just see you here next week. Thanks so much for listening.